now, tune in to the Ocean Curious Podcast. Hey, everybody, and welcome to this episode of Ocean Curious's Webcast Podcast. We're very excited to be here. This is our ninth episode. And this week, we've got uh, two of my OSINT Curious colleagues, Ginsburg, 5150. Say hi to everybody. How goes it? And we've got Dutch OSINT guy. Say hello. Hi, everybody. There you go. We also have uh, some attendees that are, are uh, standing by over here and, and watching us record this. So thank you to you all for, for uh, signing up and sticking with us. Uh, we're looking forward to a, a great hour here. And if you want to play along at home, and uh, you can always hashtag OSINCuriousUs, Us, and we will pick that up. And actually, I'm going to ask Ginsburg or, or Nico if you can just watch the hashtag OSINCuriousUs to see if anybody is tweeting out to us. You know, maybe yeah. we can draw some of that content in here as well. Really? Okay. Cool. Well, let's go ahead and get started. Um, anything uh, big in your week, uh, Nico? Well, in the Netherlands, we had a terrorist attack, so there was a lot to do. And especially when you do OSINT, the first thing you do is fire up your laptop and see what you can find out. So I've been busy. I'll bet. I'll bet. And Ginsburg? Um, a lot of the, 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 you know, kind of just day-to-day -day stuff, whatever. Nothing's really out of the ordinary for me. Okay. There. Cool. What about you? Me? Um, yeah, I'm doing a bunch of OSINT research, which is really exciting for me. I, I, I love doing that. Uh, now that I'm my own, um, I, I'm working for myself, I have this flexibility to, to do research. So I have this longer-term project. I'm really excited about it. I've downloaded 4 million profiles from a certain website, which I'm not going to tell you all about. Just a little tease you there. And uh, hmm. so, uh, yeah, it's, uh, things are going along well. Looking forward to it. Very nice. Cool. Yeah, that's cool. All right. Well, let's get into the news. So our news, this is our website, and we did not release any new, uh, any new blogs this coming this past week. But we also found out that Facebook stored hundreds of millions of user passwords in plain text. Now, for our purposes, um, here's a question for you. So Ginsburg, I think you talked about breach data. I did a 10-minute tip on using breach data for our, uh, for our OSINT, and we actually have a question later on about the legality of using breach data, but uh, have you guys seen this data released, or is this, this was an oops that Facebook caught, and they're like, hey, by the way, uh, this was out there, but it didn't get released. Is that right? Uh, yeah, for my, yeah. yeah, good. No, I, I was just confirming that I didn't see it. Yeah. yeah, I'm pretty sure this was internal. I think this was a thing they found, and it was it, the reason why this happened was because of a failure in logs. Um, it was dumping out to something it wasn't supposed to be dumping out to, I think. Uh, so I don't think this was a breach type situation where it was actually like the collection one or whatever, where there was actually anyone harvesting this. I think this was internal, and it was a, a hey, we audited this, we found this was going on. Um, now, Internal employees to Facebook did have access to this information. So if there was a rogue, uh, you know, Facebook agent or something like that that was working inside the company, they could go through and take a look at it. But I don't think anything external was working. 
I agree, and that the section I've hi highlighted here in the in the Krebs on Security blog post, which again we'll put in the show notes, uh, it says uh, from a quote from Facebook: "We've not found any cases so far in our investigations where someone was looking intentionally for passwords, nor have we found signs of misuse of this data." Now, you know, I, as as somebody who's done incident response a little bit, as somebody who's done a bunch of cyber things over the year, I know that sometimes there's those statements, and I'm not saying that Facebook is lying here. I'm not saying that Facebook is uh, is not is is not is hiding anything, but the way these things are worded many times makes it. Um, you know, makes it really interesting. It's like, we've not found any cases so far where our investigations yeah. uh, found somebody looking. Well, have you actually looked for it? And would you even know if somebody accessed it? So, yeah. Uh, yeah. The, one thing, the one thing I can say on that is if there was breach data out there, I think Twitter would be on fire with it being that we do share a lot of the same information kind of going back and forth with that stuff. If you dig hard enough, that should be out there. So the signs that I haven't seen people posting or talking or in any of the other um, forums, um, you know, Black Hat and IRU or anything else like that, Thug Crowd, anybody else like, talking about that stuff, whatever, that, that leads me to believe that it was just internal. It was kind of caught. So I don't know. Cool. All right. We'll see. The next news things that we wanted to talk about was uh, Nico's uh, post here about uh, images and how to do some fast image search. You were looking at a bunch of images, is that right? And you wanted, you found this tool that was really helpful? Um, no, we discussed this a few webcasts before, so um, I don't know why this pops up again, but it's just an add-on you can use for reverse image searching, and it was a fast one. This was the one. Did, don't you guys remember? Yeah, do you I know, do you now. Do you remember? Okay, yeah. moving on. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it happens. Um, I'd rather we talked about it twice than never at all. Yeah, uh, sure. All right, so Nico, we were talking here about Bellingcat and LinkedIn. Uh, they did a really neat piece on this on LinkedIn, and um, you want to Tell a little bit about this. Well, it was um, uh, Nathan Patin. I think I pronounced it right, or else he might correct me online. Um, he did a really nice write-up on how you can leverage uh, LinkedIn for OSINT purposes um, just by um, doing some searches or using the Sales Navigator add-on trick. Um, but also, uh, re recently, well, a few months ago, uh, LinkedIn released an API, uh, application programming interface, and they, um, well, it's really comprehensive. It has like thousands of thousands of uh, unique identifiers on which you can search search on now. And he goes a little bit on that in depth on that. So, it, and it's really valuable because people. Um, basically promote and sell themselves on LinkedIn. They're saying like, I'm here. This is what I know. This, these are my skills. This is, uh, these are my friends. This is where I've worked, where I've been. And all those data points now you can really dig into and search, especially when you use that API. So it goes into, um, let's say, uh, add-ons for your browser. Uh, it gives you tips on how to uh, dork within Google. It gives you... Uh, tips on how to use um, the, the, the URL manipulation and the search for usernames. It, it's really, really extensive write-up. So for everyone interested in, in looking into LinkedIn and looking into um, 
people or companies or company profiles or targeting specific people for uh, sourcing, it's a really good write-up. And well, now you pull up the API page and it has some really interesting information. When you look into language codes or industry codes, you can look for really specific uh, things like give me all the people living in Amsterdam being a, a SOC analyst uh, for, uh, let's say, a cyber company. And if you wanted to target those as a red team or maybe a threat actor, it's really interesting to dig into uh, LinkedIn by the API codes. Yeah, so, so this is uh, LinkedIn's API version one. Uh, a LinkedIn is actually, and uh, we'll put all these notes, these URLs in the show notes. This is uh, LinkedIn's API version one. They're switching to version two where this information is a little bit hidden. Um, but if you switch, if you go to developer.linkedin.com and you scroll down to the bottom, it says reference tables. These are the tables that essentially have the analogous things to search directives. Um, if you're looking for a certain geolocation, uh, there's this geography codes and you type in geo colon uh, AF and you, you in the search bar in LinkedIn and it'll restrict the results back to anybody that is in the has identified themselves as in the African region. Uh, but the uh, so the API has a huge, like you said, a huge number of links, everything from these industry codes uh, that will allow you to, to look up somebody in accounting or automotive all the way through seniority codes that tells tell you if you have somebody that's junior, mid, senior in their field and other things as well. So uh, these reference tables are really, really helpful. Again, this is going away, I believe, in, let's see, Microsoft put something on here. Oh, here it is. All developers need to migrate to version two of our APIs by March 1st, 2019. So um, the API is changing. I'm not sure if those directives are. Yeah, but yeah these are really cool. Yeah. And maybe we'll do a, a 10 minute tip on them in, a, in the future. Yeah. Cool. Then we have another thing. Uh, this article in India today about WhatsApp adding a search image feature to combat fake, fake news. So um, do, you, do you guys know about this? No. I... No. Yeah. So essentially the, the app WhatsApp, uh, which is owned by Facebook, is now going to have a little button there that says, hey, where, where was this picture picked from? Um, because a lot of the fake news that's out there is somebody using uh, an image that's already been been used or, or sourced from a different uh, conflict or a sort of different uh, place on the internet and just reusing it in a different setting. So uh, now you'll be able to essentially search by image right in the WhatsApp app. Um, again, just mm -hmm. a, a little interesting thing for consumers that are interested in understanding their yeah. posts. And I just read another edition WhatsApp is going to roll out and that's um, people resharing certain WhatsApp messages and they will give a, a, a little counter number uh, beneath it just for you to see that this has been reshared numerous times to see mm -hmm. if something goes viral or is from first-hand information. So as an O-Center, does that help you all when you see something that um, like that information, like uh, the, the, a lot of these social media platforms are becoming more transparent. Like Twitter is now showing the source, you know, it's yeah. sent from an iPhone where mm. is that, do you all find that helpful or distracting? Um, well, I think it depends on the case. Uh, sometimes I want to go back like a crumb path 
to the very first beginning. And then it would be interesting to see who reshared it and reshared it and reshared <coughs> it. Or for instance, where the picture on WhatsApp uh, popped up first. But it's not always as usual. It's really depending on the case. Sure. Yeah, I would say that uh, just having the information on there is, is another point of pivot. So you can always go through and try to utilize it. Um, it may be something where if you're trying to prove that it's disinformation and somebody's, you know, like the Twitter thing, you can you can edit that stuff if you know how to go through and edit the sent by stuff. So there there's there's some things in there that may lead you down the wrong path too if you're not verifying your information. Um, I did have a question on that WhatsApp stuff. Is that going to pull some pull image information natively from Facebook or is that doing web crawling or does anybody know? I believe it was going to just send it to search engines. I don't think it was where else on this social media Facebook, platform. Yeah. Okay. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. I didn't, uh, since it was part of that Facebook backbone, I didn't know if that's like where it was going to default to searching inside that stuff. So. You know, that would be a really useful thing. If you could say, show me within Facebook yep. or WhatsApp or whatever, where this or, uh, Instagram, whatever the family of Facebook types up. That's an interesting idea. I'm not writing that down at all. <laughs> yeah. All right. Moving on to the National Cyber Cybersecurity Center over in the UK. Our security questions leaving a gap in your security. Now, this article was written in 2017, um, but it, it's kind of interesting that uh, we're seeing a lot of these things pop up. And I, I love these types of, uh, even if it's, if it's old stuff, but popping up saying, hey, you have to think about those knowledge-based password reset questions. And if people can go ahead and Google them, uh, you know, the, these, because this reaches the consumer level, you know, the non-OSINTI people that are just going about their daily lives that, you know, enter in their favorite musician or their favorite food or their favorite location or their first name and their first teacher. Um, and those people can become vulnerable. So I think, I think uh, this is a really neat article. This is actually like yesterday, I was actually helping uh, a friend of mine get a piece of malware off his computer. Uh, there was, it was, it was like malvertising kind of thing. It was the install PDF maker type thing. And it kept redirecting his Chrome browser to make him install other things. Whatever. So piece by piece, I was taking stuff off there and I was showing him some of the tools we use to pivot off of personal information and things. And um, just got kind of in an OSINT like days and started teaching him some stuff, whatever. And uh, I showed him family tree now and kind of blew his mind a little bit and this relates a little bit to this this article here because you're asking for maiden name or who your first girlfriend was or things like that and some of the degrees of you know of association with just the first name last name and knowing maybe his age or his location um you know it was pulling up information that he was kind of shocked that was as in depth as it was uh and so we went through the whole opt-out thing and talking about that stuff but just knowing that you can go to Family Tree now and you could cover, you know, maybe some of the names that are on there because if you have associations with maybe the other side of the family and you can determine what the maiden name was or if there's an address or where you grew up or, you know, it's all information that you use to uh, kind of move into a direction of getting that information. Where did you go to high school? Well, he was born this and he's, you know, he's living in this town. Um, that it may 
it may lend itself to four high schools that you went to and you can plug away at those. And, you know, so there are things that you can use to narrow down your scope of, of, uh, of password resets, security questions, things like that. So, and this yeah. is just one tool that's not even command line tool. This is just accessible to anybody. This is something that, you know, I thought yeah. was always a good shocker kind of thing. You know? Well, that was always one of the issues with the, with the, um, with the, the knowledge based password reset questions was in the beginning, it was something that you know, but it wasn't something that exclusively you know, like who was your favorite teacher? Okay, but what was your favorite teacher in this school or this grade? Or sure. what was your what was your whatever first grade teacher? Some of that stuff is a, you're able to OSINT it now, um, now that all these records are online or yep. the, the place where you first lived. So uh, sites like uh, people search sites like Family Tree Now for those of us that live in the United States, um, they can absolutely be very uh, very, very helpful. Cool. All right. Let's move on to something that was just tweeted up. Let me show you how topical we are. Uh, Jake Kreps, uh, longtime OSINTER, uh, just posted this up there. Uh, many of you know about uh, something called the robots.txt file, which is found at the beginning of uh, most domains, especially businesses, robots.txt. I'm just going to go to cnn.com slash robots.txt. And what this file does is it goes ahead and shows you the places on a certain domain where they don't want Google, Bing, DuckDuckGo, Yandex to actually index. Because if I zoom in here, uh, they don't want anybody in the AOL directory or the beta directory. They don't want that stuff showing up in search engines. Well, what uh, Kreps just aim, uh, tweeted out was, let's see if this is there. Yeah, there's an ads.txt file, which I was unaware of, that also shows who these people do business with or who this company does business with. So here we have a certain domain. Uh, we have other information here, like their their Google Pub uh, ads uh, number. We have other information as well. Uh, and this could be very interesting if you're doing some OSINT on businesses and connectivity of things. Again, just another uh, request to, to look up. So uh, good on you, Jake, for sharing that out. Thanks, buddy. Did That's awesome. Yeah, I knew about it, but I never came across a, a case where I where it was for usage for me. I can only imagine if you if maybe it's a shady website who has shady advertise uh, advertisers also on it, and then you can pivot into that or something. Maybe Jay can elaborate on that a little bit more on his Twitter account why uh, the ads.txt is important from his point of view. Yeah, I mean, I could also see it from just a, a business intelligence, not not necessarily a, a criminal type of investigation. I know that yeah. um, many people approach OSINT from a law enforcement perspective, just business intelligence. Uh, yeah. Who's that company do business with? Where does their data show up legitimately? Yeah. This would be very helpful. Can you ma imagine making like a Multigo graph with all these? That would be amazing. Um, yeah. And then pivot and pivot and pivot. Yeah, for instance, I'm I'm already triggered by why is there like six or seven Tremor Hub uh, uh, references and let's say only one from advertising.com. Yeah, I'd I like to learn from that. Interesting. Yeah, so something else to look at. Yeah. There's always yeah. something new. 
Love that. Also, so from uh, like a privacy standpoint, where, where you can see where it says the resellers redirects, um, you know, so any of that information that's tagged in that, uh, that may be leaching stuff, whatever. Um, I, I don't know. I, I don't have a whole lot of information with the ad side of stuff. This is actually kind of interesting, but I know if you're looking at like Firefox with, I think it's, um, oh, what's it? Match lights? No, what is it? Uh, there, there's a uh, there's an extension in Firefox that allows you to go through and track um, what callouts are being made to other like Google Analytics or see what media servers and things like that are pulling information back, whatever. So it's all kind of in that tracking domain and stuff like that. Now I've said it, I'm gonna have to try to find it. Okay. Cool. All right. Now we know about this person does not exist, right? Yep. So this site uh, with the AI generated people was something that came out and we talked about several webcasts ago, uh, but it was interesting, you know, that, that some AI, some artificial intelligence is putting together these pictures that supposedly aren't real people. Um, sure. Now, since then, People have used AI to do some other fun things like uh, this resume does not exist, right? Which is kind of interesting. So every time you refresh the page on this resume does not exist, I don't know if it's random, but it's interesting stuff. And if you ever try to read this, it's, I think it's some of it's hilarious. Yeah. Um, some of it is like uh, uh, just random speak here and, and words that don't even yeah. go together. Um, no. But some, of it, some of it does have pictures, some of it doesn't. Uh, you can go through, and when you when you look through this stuff, it will highlight the words that are maybe misspelled for your, you know, if, if you're speaking English and stuff like that. It seems to be of a European kind of descent because they use a lot of UX, UI uh, for the end of words, like behavior, spelled with a U color, sometimes spelled with a U. Um, so it's interesting, and I, I think the point of it is actually to sell resume templates yeah. If you scroll all the way down, it says, hey, how can you get this this beautiful resume? Click here, which I would never click. But um, it's really neat because it's pulling information in. So from a sock puppet perspective, this may be something where even if you don't want to go through and do the legwork to go through and come up with a name or, or email or stuff like that or whatever, this lays out everything kind of for you and it somewhat automates at least the the outline of the process. So if you kind of thought about like you want you you click through here 15 times and you need to sign it to project management or something else like that or whatever or in a specific location or had ties to like there was one that I pulled up that had she was a senior analyst for senior transformations. Um, she went to school in uh, India, but she's in Rancho Cucamonga now, whatever. So, you know, it has a lot of technologies that she's worked in regards to, and obviously all this stuff is fake, but as a legend building type of apparatus, this is kind of a neat thing because it lays out kind of everything that you want. Uh, I will say, obviously all the social media, all the links, all the emails, they're all not created. Um, I did try to search some of the the, the Twitter accounts and things like that, just to verify there wasn't anything on there. Maybe they were backfilling some of that stuff, but yeah. Um, 
it's kind of kind of a cool little thing, whatever that's you know a, a play on this face is not real, so this resume is yeah. But we could well, use that OSINT for that that stuff. Yeah, I mean we can continue too, because I mean if you have this person does not exist, this this resume does not exist, you might as well go to this rental does not exist, which creates this these apartments and and rentals that don't actually exist along yep. with the descriptions and stuff. And That's then awesome. if you got all those, you might as well go to this cat does not exist. This, is, I mean, this one is the best. I mean, this is, you just got to, right? I mean, yeah. They, yeah. now I have no idea if this is AI or just random cat pictures, but I kind of, I kind of dig it. I kind of dig it. Yeah. Is it always cats? Oh, it's cat. Yeah. Okay. Well, yeah. this cat does have not a dog exist. Yeah. I don't know if there's dogs or horses or other things. I have no idea. I didn't go through the whole entire animal kingdom. I mean, you're really leaving some stuff on the table there. I am. I I leave that to the viewer to to take a look at. Maybe we should do a little project and scan the internet for this uh, does not exist.com domain. This this wild card. Look at that. We could put the wild card in there. That sounds like a research project. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, we we could do donate domain enumeration using some favorite tools of ours. And ooh, this company doesn't exist. That would be good. There you go. Building yeah, fake profiles for entire companies. Or this website doesn't exist. That'd be fun. Yeah. All right. Edit all out. These are million dollar ideas. We'll move on. Last week, I created a YouTube ten minute video, a ten minute tip video on searching for breach data. And the reason why I bring it up is one to promote it. Uh, it goes through using Have I Been Pwned and also Dehashed for a couple of interesting ways of changing uh, email addresses into passwords and then pivoting on the passwords and all. Uh, but one of the reasons why I bring it up is that we did have a user named uh, Francesco. Francesco Poldi, uh, who goes by at non-privacy, that asked about the legitimacy of using the breach data in actual investigations. I wanted to pose that to you guys. Uh, Ginsburg, Dutch, what what are you guys thinking? Yeah, it's a difficult question. It's an ethical question, and I think it depends on the research question and the maybe the urgency of the question that needs to be answered to... um, dig into those databases. I mean, the information is out there. Um, and yeah, you might as well pay for it to gain access to it for uh, intelligence purposes. I think as long as you don't do evil with it and you use or reuse those passwords uh, <clears throat> from those specific accounts, then I don't see a problem in it from a personal point of view. But still, I can only imagine... Um, government agencies really wanting to use this kind of information. Yeah. Do you, I mean, do you, would you ever think that, Hey, uh, a prosecutor or lawyer would ever have a problem with using this data in an investigation because, well, it is stolen data that somebody that you're purchasing access to. Yeah. Um, do you, do you think, I mean, I, I could see that being a real issue with how you got the information. I think, I think as long as you are transparent on, um, um, why you needed that at that point in time and which path you took to get there, I won't think there would, would be a real big problem with the lawyers. Uh, um, at least not in, in my experience with here in the, in the EU. Uh, I've, I've traced cases like this. Uh, I've read them in the news where people uh, were using um, 
uh, passwords from, let's say, uh, forensic gain from computers or telephones. It's basically the same. As long as you're transparent as an investigator on why you want to use it and how you want to use it, and maybe with consent of uh, prosecution, I don't see the problem. What do you think? So this is something that I've kind of struggled with for a long time, and I wanted to go through and have, uh, you know, like I think during the SANS uh, summit, OSINT summit, I brought it up as a as a CFP, whatever, to do kind of an ethics kind of question in regards to this stuff. I fully believe that if the information is out there, that it should be able to be used. I understand legally it may be something that since it's got by nefarious methods or it's publicly dumped and it's not actionable information or whatever, uh, and in the course of like an investigation that it may be difficult. I think if it's verifiable that it should be able to be used. And I think that um, as we kind of grow older with the internet and things, that it's something that hopefully breaches will happen less because people will become more savvy with security and things. Um, but I don't, I, I, I'm never going to shy away from it uh, as, as someone who is a researcher because it's it's something that if I have to tie something to somebody else or if it allows me to go through and protect somebody in the future by sh- exposing, you know, the, the the poor security they've done on the front side, then it may be something that it's a teachable moment type thing. So I think it depends on the type of investigation, too. If I'm working with law enforcement, if I'm working with some official investigation that I know is going to head to court or could head to court, then that is the conversation I will have with the customer way before I actually touch Dehashed or any of these other sites, say, I can do this. Do you want me to do this? But if I'm looking at somebody doing like an executive <clears throat> assessment, a risk profile, I'm absolutely heading in there because, you know, for two ninety nine a week, um, somebody else can easily afford to get in here. Um, and actually, uh, one of our, our guests here, I'll call you out, uh, Kevin Metcalf. He actually says that, yes, uh, this is this data is something that is used frequently. Um, and Kevin, you actually had a question. Uh, which I wanted to bring up here and pose to my esteemed colleagues. Uh, what resources would you use to find information or pivot point when all you have is a location, either an address or lat long? Would you guys think that that's, and maybe Kevin can clarify in the chat here, would you think that maybe it depends on the type of investigation, right? Which way you go? Because here in the United States, you know, if I'm looking up uh, at real estate, who owns something versus who, what type of social media has been at a certain place? What do you guys think? Well, um, I think every piece of information is a piece of information which you must exhaust with your sources to dig into. And uh, when I only have, let's say, an X and Y coordinates or just a street address, I can go into yellow pages. I can go into just Google dorking for the address. I can go looking for specific, let's say, uh, Word documents or PDF documents where that address is named in or... um, Craigslist kind of platforms. There are numerous ways to find that specific address or coordinates and find new additional information, which are new pieces of the puzzle to complete. But it depends on which question you are trying to answer. If you just have an address and there is no question you are trying to answer, it would be really hard to uh, go into my toolbox and look for that specific tool to pivot into something specific, if you catch what I mean. 
Yeah, I think, uh, and Kevin clarified a little bit, uh, he says, of course, that, that he uh, works with the uh, National Child Protection Task Force at ncptf.com, which is in the United States, uh, national, and it, it is, there's a conference coming up in 2019 uh, that's in Arkansas, so just a quick plug on that. Uh, the, 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 I think the clarification there is sometimes they just have a lot long or a location and a date and a time range and some activity that they want to investigate happened there. Um, I think it depends. I mean, many of the social media platforms allow you to set a date range and a location. Like, I mean, Twitter will allow you to do that. That's provided that somebody actually did geolocate their tweets or, or is using an app like Foursquare that then pushes geolocated tweets out through that application. Um, so if you're looking for social media, there can be that. I mean, there's webcams, but historical webcam footage, not necessarily that great. There were a couple of uh, projects out there that sought to locate webcams uh, geographically. Um, but there's other stuff that you can do, too as well. Yeah. Ginsburg, did you have a thought? Traffic cam was one of those where people were, you know, you, you could upload, um, you could, uh, it was, it was a crowdsourced thing where you could upload a lot of the hotel rooms that you were staying in. So if you take a picture of that or whatever, and it was trying to collect a lot of the information. So if there was leaked information or if there was a forum that they got for human trafficking or for, for child endangerment or something else like that, they could try to match those images up so that they, they knew about where those, where those, those incidences were taking place. Um, that's that's something. So if you have only a location to go through and, and to to pivot off of, um, those type of uh, crowdsourced things may be helpful depending upon what it was. Um, but EchoSec is always, yeah, like you're calling up, EchoSec is always really good because yeah. it takes kind of a, a 30,000 foot view of like a, a specific place, whatever. So if you're if you're looking at a location, um, you know, EchoSec and Twitter were uh, were back in 2014-15, where I got a lot of my news before news actually broke. Uh, I remember like the things that happened in Ferguson, Missouri, right next to St. Louis, where there was the riots and the things that were on fire and stuff. I was hearing about those from Twitter, seeing live views, and from EchoSec and stuff like that before I was hearing it on you know the nightly news and things like that. So. Um, it just depends on what the the actual intent is. Um, you know, a lot of people say if you only have one piece of information, it's really tough to go through and kind of pivot off that. It really attacks the question that you're asking. Like, what are you trying to derive from that one location? So, yeah, it's it's tough, but it's actually manageable. Yeah, and I guess uh, you know it, it, the the question could be anything from what business is at this location to uh, who frequently goes there, uh, and and there's a lot of location stuff. And not to to uh, promote a project and product or anything, EchoSec.net um, they have a really nice geofencing capability for, and they plug into a whole bunch of different social media platforms from VK and Weibo to the Twitters and Instagrams. Yeah. If social media is actually being, uh, being, uh, tagged with geolocation stuff. So, I mean, you could find that somebody else, if it was a public place, somebody else was taking that selfie of themselves and your target is in the background. So using an app like this, uh, EchoSec is, uh, a little bit on the pricier side, although there might be something there, Kevin, for nonprofits, uh, that you could, you could talk to them about. Well, that same thing with like the um, the case with uh, I think it was Jacob Wall who had Surefire Intelligence and he came out with a website or whatever that had a lot of information on it about the OSINT type private investigations that he would do 
and turns out that everything on his website was fake. Like all the people that he was representing were like, you know, stock image models and stuff like that. But then it actually came down to the location and he actually had a location that was on K street in DC that was for lobbying. And somebody went to try to locate that and turned out that it was, it, it was a real place, but it was a basic like, uh, it was, it was a post office box kind of thing. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's a generic office with one, and nobody was there. So, yeah. yeah. So that type of, you know, using location to go through and verify companies' existences and um, use that stuff. Yeah, that's that's that. Those are things that definitely are in play. Yeah, cool. I, I want to add that MW Ocean from uh, who's in the in our audience uh, pointed out that people and sources like Intellius White Pages are also. Uh, uh, really handy when it comes to addresses and time ranges for maybe former tenants or neighbors. Um, and from my personal experience, experience, if I try and look for a specific address with a house number and I can't find anything about that, I will always try uh, the numbers next to it, to the left and the right when it's when it's house or the ones across because maybe those are potential witnesses who live there and can tell me more. Maybe that helps for a tip. Yeah. Well, so what was that one uh, map really map map artillery? Mapillary. Yeah. Um, that that's crowdsourced as well, and that really works, especially if you're looking for a location, and then maybe you have to try to find a specific um, like a tag number for a car in the U.S. The problem with that one is that it um, it is is crowdsourced. So if it's out in the middle of nowhere and nobody drives down with their their dash cam going, it's not recorded. But if it's in a highly populated area and you're looking for or you have a house number and you want to go through and try to find the vehicle or you're looking for other signs of that that person that you're you're looking into, like that one is a good one to check. We found some good stuff on that every once in a while. And Mapillary is like the the crowdsourced Google Street View. Right. Yep. Yeah. But it's unedited. Uh, right. So th all the the wonderful blurring that is done for privacy and other platforms, other more professional yeah. platforms, is not necessarily done there. And I, I want to say too that it's also uh, not time based, or whatever. But you can kind of go back in time depending upon when the original person went down that street. So you may be able to go through and view it from like a year and a half ago to you know yesterday type thing. So. Cool. Uh, a specific yeah. one uh, for uh, remote locations. I, from time to time, like to use uh, Wikimapia because people also crowdsource that. And especially when it's remote locations, they will tell you uh, what's that specific building named by the local uh, tribe or something. And um, I recently had a case, for instance, as, a, as an example, we were looking into a certain specific area within Syria. And we were looking for girls' schools. And, well, it was a really remote area, but still there were people mapping out where the girls' school, schools were or at least have been during the war. So I could go in and exclude um, certain areas by geographic location, record, record. So it could be useful, but especially for remote locations. Very good. All right. Cool. Hope that answers your question there, Kevin. If not... You know, hit one of us up offline. We'll be happy to talk more to you.
Probably made more questions, which is all. <laughs> That's right. Now we have a whole bunch of other questions. Um, <laughs> let's go ahead. Since we did just talk about the uh, the one conference, let's go ahead and talk about this other uh, conference. There's a big open source intelligence conference here in the United States, Osmosis Con, and our very own Kirby Plessis. I guess she's ours, right? I mean, we can say Osink oh, sure. is Kirby. Yeah. yeah, she's ours. Sorry. Um, we uh, uh, we're very proud of her that she's going to be one of the speakers there at Osmosis Con. And I believe it is in Orlando in October. Is that right? I think it's in Orlando, definitely. Yeah. Um, cool. So good luck to her, and uh, go ahead and get those tickets. At uh, I've never been. Um, have you guys ever been? No, I hope to attend once, but it's it's it, a bit far. Across that water thing. It's a little bit far. Yeah. All right. Yeah. I, will start I, I, I have not I have not been, but yeah, I'd like to go. It was um before it was one of those things where I was trying to pay for it out of pocket and it's it's a little bit more expensive of a conference, but I've heard good things, I've heard you know, interesting. I don't know. I've heard both sides. There are some people that say yes, it's really good, some people that say, eh, it's okay, it's kind of a salesy thing, but I, I, I would like to go. I think it's definitely an industry conference, uh, you know, uh, within cybersecurity, which is, I think, what you and I are very familiar with, Ginsburg. You know, we, we have these community-based raw events where people stand up and it's not very, uh, not necessarily professional, but it's it's just, it's that raw energy. Uh, whereas this, I think, is more of a, not a corporate, but it, again, I, I've never been, so I'm just going based upon what I've heard. Um, but I think it's 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 a great con. Every year I hear that it's it's just terrific, and they've got some really good speakers here, so. But I mean, in last year, I think uh, Justin Sykes, who was on the show last week, uh, was sponsoring them, uh, and he may issue uh, Beowulf or Josh up. You know, he was um, speaking last year there as well. So you know, there have been some other pretty good people uh, who who have gone there. I know Mike Bazell has also talked there. Um, so yeah, it's it, it is definitely something I, I do want to attend sometime. Yeah. Cool. All right. Well, that wraps up our news. Um, we're actually going to be shifting uh, away from doing skills in the, the webcast just to keep it more concise. So that leads us to our next section, which is shameless self-promotion. That's right. That time when we get to promote the things that we want to do. And this is something near and deep, near to your heart, Ginsburg. Why don't you tell us about uh, B-Sides Kansas City? Uh, it's the best B-Sides in the world. <laughs> Uh-oh. Uh, Besides Kansas City, this is our third year. Um, this is the first year of having an OSINT village. So I am going to be tackling the OSINT village out there. Um, should be a really good time. It's April 26th and 27th. Uh, also, uh, there's a workshop that I'm giving, which is sold out on uh, entry-level OSINT and then OSINT beyond kind of a little bit more advanced levels. So that should be very fun. Uh, I'm excited to get that stuff out there. Um, yeah, so besides Kansas City, if you're if you're in the area or if you can make it, it's uh, it's always a good time. It's twenty dollars, I think, for a ticket, but that gets you a t-shirt, that gets you fed, that gets you all the uh, the talks, all the villages, everything else like that, whatever. So it's it's pretty good. I'm I'm very it's a proud. Bargain. It is a bargain. Yeah, cool. All right. Um, then something that we wanted to oh, did I take that? Hang on. Oh, um. Something that uh, Kirby asked us to, to mention, uh, you know, Kirby has her own uh, teaching that she does, but normally she does it in private settings. She has a teaching uh, going on. If you want to take an OSINT class from her, 
Uh, she's got two open classes that are coming in Texas, one in Houston in June, and there's early bird pricing, uh, which expires in August, and then another one in Dallas in July, and that's hosted by the Fort Bend County uh, uh, County Sheriff. Uh, you can contact info at plessis.net, P-L-E-S-S-A-S.net for more information, or hit her up online at Curbster. Cool. Yep. And then, of course, I wanted to promote, shamelessly self-promote my SEC 487 OSINT course from SANS. Really looking forward to uh, teaching more people. It's being taught 27 times this year. We're just going into on-demand, and I just got hit up by a couple people that they're coming to the Orlando class, which is, I think, next week, two weeks? Uh, something like that. Um, and uh, really excited. We've got a whole bunch of things that are happening with that as well. We're teaching all around the world. Yeah. Nico, anything you want to talk about? Anything you want to mention? No, nothing. All right. Ginsburg? Nope, that's about it. Um, you know, we'll uh, originally, like I said, we were going to go through and do something for uh, InSpy. Uh, that was the, 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 um, the tool tip we were going to go through and do today. It worked perfectly this morning when I was working at it, and now it's re returning with absolutely no results. Um, it's kind of neat. I'll give you a little preview. We'll do a 10-minute uh OSINT tip on it. So it, it scrapes uh, LinkedIn by association of who um, it works for what companies. Um, it also gathers the information using the hunter.io API. Uh, it's very, very simple to go through and set up and put in. I, I have it in an instance of Cali uh, right now. And for whatever reason, I guess it, it, the, the really nice part about it is it will pull down a lot of information. It will parse it into you know, uh, CSV, XML, uh, HTML, but it will put it into its own file after it's pulled all the information down. So it's kind of a neat thing if you're doing fingerprinting for corporate environments. Um, it's not as nice as like the endorser, but it is it is a quick, real nice little tool to go through and kind of use. So once I can get it agreeing with me again, then uh, we'll post that and get that working. But it's, it's kind of fun. And shout out to Joe Gray, because he's actually the one who showed me uh, about that tool. So, yeah. Cool. And that requires a, a valid uh, LinkedIn account. Are you using the API nope. or scraping it? Nope. No. nope. It's just through Hunter.io API. So you have to have a free account with Hunter.io, um, but you don't have to go through and have anything associated with LinkedIn whatsoever. So it's kind of nice for people that want to get the information over, but they don't want to they don't want to log their LinkedIn account there. Very cool. Yeah. All great. Right. Any other shout outs before we wrap this up? Nope. Nope. All right. And uh, once again, I've been Michael Hoffman. I want to thank our guest audience here, our attendees, for, for sticking with us and for uh, being here and helping us make this a great webcast. Uh, for those of you that are listening on the podcast, thank you for your listening. And until next time, stay OSINT curious. Bye, everybody. Bye, everybody.